So we're going to turn to Revelation chapter um, 8, and we're dealing with our uh, next phase. Um, through this series, uh, there's stuff I'm going to not focus on, not spend time on, because, I mean, hey, there's 22 chapters in the book of Revelation, so um, we could be here for more than that in weeks. Um, so I'm trying to hit the highlights, if you will. And specifically, I'm trying to hit the highlights of um, Give me some batteries. Trying to hit the highlights in this series of the the structural elements um, that are that are in the there's some on the charger actually right at the back they're fully charged they're good um, and yeah the, the elements of this trying to hit up the elements of uh, the central structure of the book of Revelation. So we're talking the, the seals, the trumpets, and the vials. Um, and tonight's focus is going to be mainly on the trumpets. And I don't want to spend a lot of time in review because uh, if I did, we'd just be spending a lot of time there. So I want to just quickly move move forward. Uh, and, and these these three elements really make up the central focus of the book of Revelation. And the reason why I'm starting here is because when you start with the word, everything else falls into place. Um, and if you remember at the beginning of this series, we talked about how the book of Revelation is like looking at a mountain range. And when you look at a mountain range, you can see big peaks. You can see the central structure of the mountain, if you will. And then the closer you get, the more details come apparent. If you look at a mountain, I recently went to Alberta, went to Banff, and my wife and I were there. And you could see the mountains and even the trees on the mountains, like the pine trees. But they looked like little matchsticks. They were little tiny trees on this mountainside. But the closer we got to the mountain, the bigger the trees became. The trees no longer looked like tiny little matchsticks, but then they looked like bushes. And then when you got even closer, it went from being a bush to being like, you know, a small tree. And then if you actually got on the trail and started walking up the mountain, you realized that's like a 40-foot tall tree. That's like that's like a big, that's a big deal. But pulled way back here, it just looked like green, and then little sticks, and then bushes, and then trees, and then, oh, it's actually a big tree. So the closer you get to the events that the book of Revelation is describing, the clearer it's going to become. And the clearer it becomes, the more we'll, we'll understand, and maybe even the more we'll realize we don't understand. Um, I've heard elders say this, uh, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. 
And that is so true. The older you get, you think, you know, and it, we think opposite. When we're young, young adults, we think like we know it all. We have our degree, we can conquer the world, we've gone to school, we've gone to trades, we've done our apprenticeship, whatever, and, and we're ready. We can just take it on. We don't need help. We got, and then we get older and older and realize we actually don't have it all together. And we, we don't know as much as we thought we knew, and what we thought we knew when we learn, when we actually learn more about that, we realized, wow, I'm like, I really didn't know enough. And I think that's the way it is with the Word of God and with the Book of Revelation. Uh, and it's true with every book of the Bible. It's not just specific to Revelation, but every book of the Bible. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Uh, because if God is infinite, then then there there are things about him and, and I believe we have a we have a, a an understanding, a doctrinal understanding of the Word of God. There are things we do know. It's just because we don't know stuff doesn't mean we don't know what we know. I'm just saying when it comes to the book of Revelation, there's so much we we're looking at a mountain range and we see big elements. We see we see big peaks, but then the closer we get, the more details become apparent. And so the, the seals, trumpets, and vials are some of those big peaks. They are those central focuses of the book of Revelation. But they are more like big mountain peaks. There's details about those peaks that we're going to talk about tonight, but I, I would say that these are more speculations than actual details. Some of the stuff we'll, we'll talk about. And you'll get that understanding. Now, what I can say for sure, and what I understand from the Word of God, is this pattern here. The timeline. Because when you look at the book of Revelation, and we went through this in detail, the seals, the trumpets, and the vials are all happening at the same time, sort of. Okay? The seals are happening first. And they're first in order of the book of Revelation. And the common misconception of Revelation is that the seals take place, and then the trumpets take place, and then the vials take place. But as we've seen from our study, that is not possible. Because if you have that, you have multiple of the same descriptive event happening during those three sections. So it's clear from just studying the Word of God that they are happening somewhat consecutively, somewhat, I say somewhat consecutively, and that, that, that they end around the same time. The sixth seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial become the end of that whole period of time. Another important thing to remember is, uh, and this was a big eye-opener for me, not everything in the book of Revelation is the judgment of God falling on the earth. So we're going to talk about some trumpets tonight that I believe have potentially already sounded. And, and, and if you come at it with the mindset of, no, see, every, every event described in Revelation is part of God's judgment on the world, so the church can't possibly be here during the seals, the trumpets, or the vials because they should be raptured out of here. And I believe in the rapture. 
But I don't, I don't believe the Bible teaches it from the perspective of a pre-tribulation, or depends on how you define tribulation, but a, a pre-events, pre-seals, pre, I would say pre-seal, pre-trumpet, pre-vial. Okay? So, uh, the, 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 and we'll, we'll get, we'll, we probably the last lesson we do in this series will be on the rapture. Uh, we might not get to all the vials, but but I did want to cover the rapture, uh, a lesson on the rapture before we close up this series. Okay, so that's where we're at, and I said I wasn't going to review, and then I did it. So whatever, here we go. Revelation is not chronological, and that that is so important. Whatever the details are, okay. Now last week I talked about who I suspected are the four horsemen, okay. And, and the, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And, and I talked to you about who I suspected they are, and I have a pretty good guess uh, based on my study of scripture and the study others have done and, and contributed to that. Um, and, 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 but I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's a big mountain peak for me, okay? Uh, and when we come to the trumpets, I'm pretty sure, based on the study I've done, based on the research based on the, the study others have done that I've read and, and researched and gone through that we're, we're currently uh, facing the sixth trumpet of the book of Revelation. But that being said, that's not, that's not a guarantee. I, I think it's a pretty good guess, but that's, that's where we're at. Whatever the case is, the structure of when these things are going to happen, I think, is set in the Word of God. The details of how exactly and which trumpet is being blown, those are the things that, that I believe we'll understand, but, but they, there is a margin for God to say, well, actually, no, it was this, but you got the basic idea. Okay. So let's take a look at a scripture in Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12, verse 8. And this is important. I think this helps to solidify some of the things that I've said. Daniel chapter 12, verse 8. I heard, but I understood not, Daniel saying this. God is giving Daniel a revelation of end time prophecy. And I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. The words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. So God was indicating to Daniel that there will come a time when the words that were closed up and sealed to him, and I think even to John the Revelator, who wrote Revelation, would be revealed to those who were in the end. That those who were in the end would look around and go, okay, I'm, I'm putting two and two together here. This is very close to what is being said. And the purpose of that, again, is not fear, is not to make you afraid, but to give you hope. God has it all under control. God has it all under control. Amen. So God indicated to Daniel that although he could not understand everything, there would come a time when it would be revealed to him. So let's go through and talk the seven trumpets of the book of Revelation. And I'm going to be reading from Revelation chapter 8, verses 6 through 13. We'll start there, and then we'll move on uh, to, to uh, I think we'll get to the first four for sure, 
and hopefully get to at least trumpet five and maybe six tonight. But let's start with, with those ones. And the seven angels which had seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And the first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. And a third part of the trees was burnt up, and all the green grass was burnt up. So trumpet one. The second angel sounded, and as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood, and a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third of the waters, uh, third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died because of the waters, because they were made bitter. Revelation 8.12 And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, and the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. Verse 13 And I beheld, and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe! Woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So let's go through these. And we're going to start like we did with the seals, not with number one. We're going to start with number three. And uh, you'll see why I'm doing this. The reason why I'm starting with three is because I feel like three has a few more clues than one and two does. So... Uh, you'll see that as we go. Now, rereading again verses 10 through 12. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and on the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. Now, here is the detail that is included in this trumpet that is not really included in the others. There's a, there's a name given. And when a name is given, it's <coughs> significant. It's not coincidental. You'll see in the language um, here as we go on, sometimes the words that John uses are figurative in nature. <coughs> when he says something like a third of the waters, that's like, you know, you look at something and you judge it. You say, eh, it's about half full, right? You look at a, you look at a building and someone says, well, how many people are in the building? This, you know, when I was at, uh, part of the youth committee with the Ontario District, we, we you know, first night of youth convention. It's the, the question all the youth committee is asking while we're sitting on the platform waiting for church to start. How, how, how full is it up there yet? Oh, it's, it's about half full. I don't know. Is it, you think it's going <coughs> to pack out? Yeah, I mean, it'll be packed out by Friday. That's what we always said. It'll be packed out by Friday. Last night, there'll be no, no room left. It'll be full. Well, Really, it was never really full. It got close, but if you wanted to be specific about it, there was probably a couple more hundred seats that could be squeezed in. So was it full? No. But what were we using? We were using figurative language to give an estimate, to give an idea. Uh, we looked at what we saw, and we, we rough-guessed it. We looked at the seats that were full and the seats that were empty, and we said, well, it's about half full. It's about... 
three quarters full. It's, you know, uh, so John does this. And so when you say a third, it wasn't a literal third. And it wasn't necessarily over the whole earth. That's the other thing to look at, too. Think about it. If a, he's describing it in the language he has in the first century. So he sees some cataclysmic event happening on the earth from a pulled back perspective, pulled away, and, and, and he, he sees it hitting a certain area, and then he goes, well, it was a third of, uh, of the rivers were affected, a third of this, and many men, many people died. Many, he, he's giving general, general estimates of size and scope of that situation. But one thing he gives that's specific, he says the name is Wormwood. Now, uh, Wormwood, the, 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 the man who discovered this is a man by the name of Urban Baxter. He was a oneness apostolic preacher. Uh, he's recently, in the last number of years, he's passed away. Uh, number three years, thank you, um, passed away. And so he was the one that, that first discovered this, this concept of Wormwood and its specific correlation to an event that happened in 1986. And some of you might remember this event, and the one I'm speaking of is uh, Chernobyl. If you remember uh, back, those of you that could remember, I was one, so I <laughs> don't remember much of it at all. But in uh, April of 1986, uh, just about 65 miles north of Kiev in Ukraine, the Chernobyl plant was one of the largest and oldest nuclear power plants in the world. And by the way, to this date, this is still ranked as one of the worst nuclear disasters, uh, accidents. Uh, by, by estimates, they're saying it was 10 times as radioactive as the World War II bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So this is probably the worst nuclear disaster that's ever happened on the earth to date that we know of. And so this, was, this event was so destructive and so terrible. Um, it, it was, what it was was a bungled experiment of one of the facility's four reactors. In fact, what, what happened was, from what I can understand in, in the research, there was a kill switch that they could have that they thought they could press when the experiment was going bad and that the kill switch would stop the reaction and it's supposed to there's supposed to be these bars that drops down into the reactor when they hit the when they hit the the button and it's supposed to stop the reaction it's supposed to 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 lower it but what they didn't realize and what they later confessed to was they had they had uh, gone on cutting some of the corners and instead of the tips of these bars being made out of boron, which would have slowed down the reaction, they were actually made of graphite, which accelerated the reaction. So the kill switch on the, the, the nuclear system that was supposed to stop the reaction from happening actually accelerated it to the point of exploding. Uh, and, and it was so so explosive that it blew a 1,000 ton steel top off the reactor. 1,000 ton steel. 
cover or plate off the reactor. A lethal cloud of radioactive material gathered over the nearby town of uh, Pripyat. I'm not saying that right, probably, but Pripyat, thank you. Uh, And amazingly, it was not evacuated for another 36 hours. 36 hours. The men that were in the control room, by the time they got to where they could get help, were almost already dead from the radioactive. And I can't really describe to you in detail what was going on, but their, their body was shutting down in a very visible way. And it was pretty traumatic. It was pretty awful what was going on. Um, in the opening days of the crisis, um, remarkably, only 32 people died from the actual explosion. Which, when I, I started researching it again, I thought for sure it was going to be in the hundreds, the thousands, and even greater than that. But, but um, remarkably, um, the initial explosion killed only up to about 50 people, 32 specifically, and, and the rest they speculate on, on whether or not that was directly connected to the explosion. But what was what the, the, the <coughs> calamity that actually came from that? that power plant, that nuclear power plant exploding, wasn't so much the explosion, but it was the fallout from that explosion. Um, They tried helicopters, you can watch them, they still have the video clips to this day, helicopters trying to drop sand and boron over top of the reactor. And one helicopter got too close to the, the, the plume of radioactive material going up and the helicopter actually melted in, in mid-flight and just crashed right into the open pit of that, that nuclear reactor. It just melted in the air. Just, you could see it, just the, the wings and everything just falling apart. And they said that as soon as that helicopter re- uh, crossed over that ground zero, the men inside the helicopter died instantly. It was so powerful, the radioactive uh, fire and, and everything that was going up there. It was extremely, it was extremely terrible. And so as of today, um, the number is still climbing of people who were affected by this, this nuclear reaction that happened in 1986. Um, and they said that, that child cancer rates rose by 90% the next year in that, that vicinity. And in within, not, not just within Russia or Ukraine, but in most of Western Europe, uh, cancer rates, especially thyroid cancer, which is directly affected by radioaction, radioactive exposure, increased about 90% compared to the year before. And so they believe that 70,000 people suffered severe poisoning to the point of, of actual handicap or death. Um, so they were affected greatly. Now, let's turn back to scripture and see how does the Bible, how does John record the event of the third trumpet. He said, and the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood. So John is looking down at this event and saying, the waters, the fresh water, the rivers, were affected. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. And in fact, radioactive material is spread mostly by rain and snow and then which also washes into the rivers the the crops 
everything. In fact, they say to this day that you, you can actually go and visit Chernobyl. It's now safe to visit. Um, I don't know if that's on my bucket list. They say, right, they, they, they have hotels you can stay in, and uh, basically you can walk through the area, uh, uh, the name of the city again. Prepyat. Prepyat. Okay. I can't say it, it can't come out of my mouth. Prepyat. You can actually stay in Prepyat and visit with guided tours uh, the reactor. You can go to the reactor four, the one that exploded. Um, and it's totally safe for you to go there and visit. Um, I don't think that's on my bucket list. I'm, I'm good. Uh, but, but you can, apparently the radioaction is not as prevalent today as it was. And people are actually moving back into Pripyat now. Uh, land is very cheap, as you can imagine, um, in that area. So, now, John did not specify that this was a third of the world's waters. That's how I used to read it. I used to read it from the, you know, when you read the book of Revelation, at least how I read it initially was, this is a global scale event. Everything that John sees is happening all over the world, which doesn't actually make sense. It doesn't actually make sense. And, and, and on top of that, John's saying, well, a third of the water. So I'm thinking like, wow, a third of the rivers of the world are affected by one. Uh, and if you just think about it logically, if a meteor strikes, a star, an actual star falls out of heaven, a large meteorite, strikes the earth in a localized area, it could potentially affect an entire continent as far as the rivers go. But another continent would be completely cut off from the effects of those rivers for many, 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 many years. Yes. It would take some serious shifting of the whole world for that to happen. And I don't think on trumpet number three, we're facing that kind of cataclysmic event where we're, we're talking about world shifting things. So John is, is recording a localized area that a third of those rivers were affected and many died because of the waters, not because of the explosion, not because of the star that fell. Now, you, you, the other, so that's the other thing. You say, well, what about the star? What about the star? Well, how would you explain a, 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 in a first century worldview, never seeing nuclear reaction before or electricity for that matter, and you're going to describe a nuclear reactor exploding in the sky or on land. You're going to explain that with first century language that you have available to you. Right. And a lot of that goes on in the book of Revelation, that first century language. Um, and, and not only that, but the word wormwood is specific. Remember I said how, how John uses figurative things, but then he uses very specific things, and wormwood was one of those specific things. So what does wormwood have to do with Chernobyl? Well, Chernobyl is a Russian word, Ukrainian perhaps, because uh, it's in Ukraine. But the word Chernobyl, translated from Russian to English, is, is actually wormwood. It literally is. The Russian and Ukrainian word for Chernobyl means black weed, which is a member of the wormwood family. I pulled this right off uh, Wikipedia, and then I went through some dictionaries to double check. I went through in some encyclopedias, and they all say the same thing. Wormwood in Russian is Chernobyl. 
Now, wormwood is a natural plant which grows in abundance, or maybe used to grow in abundance, in Prepyat and in that area. And so they just named the place after the most common plant that they could find there, which is rather bitter, by the way. And the, 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 I, went, I went a little further and looked up the Greek word for wormwood, which means bitterness. Bitterness. It's a bitter taste, a bitter event. It's, a, it's not good. It's bad. It's bitter. And this is what went on. So is it exactly this? Could it, could it be something else? Possibly. It's possible. For me, it's pretty, pretty, pretty close that I'd be like, well, we're looking at maybe 80% here for me. Now, uh, this is something that is up for, uh, I should say, up for interpretation because it, it's trying to it's trying to pin, you're trying to, you know, if you're looking at, you ever see those those shows where you got the crazy person that's got the news clippings all over their wall and they've got the little, that's not me, by the way, just to see, no. Maybe Garfield, but not me, okay? All right? I'm just teasing. But, so they, but they've got all these red string, and they always use red string. I don't know what, it, it must just be the symbolic thing. There's always a red string connecting this picture to a certain point on a map somewhere. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to, we're trying to go to the Word of God and take the red string and pin it to thousands of years later to our day and age. Now, is it possible that this is not it? Yes. Yes, it is. It's very possible. But something this specific would have to happen again is what I'm saying. For, for the name of the actual explosion to be the very name that John said the star was called Wormwood. And that the, the deaths and the fallout actually happened the way John said it did, didn't happen from the explosion, which is what I fully anticipated. When I looked up how many people died from Chernobyl on Britannica, on Wikipedia, on news sources. I even went to old internet archives and pulled up magazines that were released from Time and all these places back in the 1980s, 1986, 1989. I looked through some of these magazines on the internet. You can do this with different archive places and read these old magazines. They were all saying the same thing. Only 36 people died, only 50 people died. And I was like, really? I was fully expecting to be like 1,000 people died from the explosion or 10,000 people died. No, it, it was pretty small. But the fallout that happened through the waters is what everyone kept saying. This is exactly what John said in the book of Revelation. So you can see why I started with trumpet three, not trumpet one. Okay? So let's talk about trumpet one. So if trumpet three has sounded by 1986, then trumpets one and two had already sounded before then. Okay? Again, these are possibilities. They're not as clear as trumpet three for me. Okay, trumpets one and two, I assume they've been sounded because I believe this number three was pretty specific. But it, it's within a margin of error. So all I'm saying is these, perhaps the trumpets have not yet sounded, 
Perhaps they have not. But that doesn't affect anything from what we've discovered in the timeline of Scripture. If you remember, if you're not dealing with a chronological order, that would impact the seals. Because if they're concentric, and we're saying they're kind of overlapping, then it would mean that some of the seals have not sounded based on what we've so we, Right? So if you're saying if the trumpets haven't sounded yet, then that would put in question the seals. If they're um, concentric, is that the term we use? Con uh, uh, chronological? Well, not chronological. Meaning that they're the... There are just different views of the same events, or yeah, yeah. yeah. But but I find this even from my studies that the seals have their own merits. The seals have their own merits right. within the scope of of the timeline, and the trumpets have their own specific merits right. and and things that they're doing. If you go back to your graph, though, with right. seals and trumpets, as the seal starts first and then mm -hmm. the trumpets fall. Right. So if, if, the, if at least the seal is open one or two, then somewhere. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What I know, because the Bible is forever settled, the Word of God is forever settled, I'm convinced from what I've studied that the big peak for me is where the trumpets, the seals, and the vials all end. Correct. For me, mm -hmm. that's the line. That's, that's there. Jesus is returning on trumpet number seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, on vial number seven, Jesus is returning. On, on seal number six, Jesus is returning. That that line for me is very clearly drawn in the sand as far as the scripture is concerned. Everything else we're talking about now, we're trying to take that red line from the thing we know. Mm -hmm. We're like the investigators and we're trying to pin it back to make sense of the rest. And what Daniel, what, what, what was told to Daniel in the book of Daniel was that you're not going to know it all, but the closer you get to the end, you're going to know. And so this is what I'm saying. Uh, so trumpet one, if trumpet three has already sounded, what could be trumpet one and trumpet number two? Trumpet one in verse uh, seven of Revelation chapter eight was the first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth and the third part of the trees was burnt up and the green grass was burnt up. Now, this could be a description of World War One. And why do I go to World War One? Because I'm looking for a significant event in the earth. Right. right? One thing you do understand about Revelation is it's not about small localized floods and battles. They are relatively large enough events for the for the world to be aware of them, even if the whole world is not affected by them. Right. So this could possibly be a first century description of World War One. He's seeing hail which is things flying through the air and landing and creating kind of a destruction. But it's, it's hail mixed with fire and blood. Now, this is the odd thing. Hail and fire mixed together. That's a weird combination, right? You wouldn't necessarily put the two together. Hail is a result of a, a frozen thing happening in the atmosphere, right? Even in the summer, there's an, an upper... I can't use the right terminology for weather, but there's something going on in the clouds that freezes the water really fast and it falls as hail right before a tornado. But typically, and maybe the fire is lightning, perhaps, perhaps, I don't know, that, that might be, but it's a strange combination, hail and fire, mixed with blood. Okay, now here we go, and even another detail that sounds strange. 
But if you, if you look at World War I, which was typically a lot of trench warfare, lots of shooting, fire, cannons, guns, not so much bombs. There was a few, uh, you know, the, the big blips that, that tried to bomb London, uh, England, and they didn't do a terrific job of that. Uh, but they, they, did, they did a little bit of airfare warfare. That didn't really come about until World War II. But what, what history does tell us is that there was something called, um, and it was a policy that they, they, the generals would do, is they would, they would burn, uh, scorching the earth, they called it, the scorched earth policy, where they would, after they conquered an area, they would burn the town, the village, and destroy the crop fields and burn everything to the ground. They would raise it to the ground. That's a very old war technique from, from centuries before. And so here is John describing this, and he's saying, the third part of the trees was burnt and the grass was burnt up, was destroyed as a result of this event. And that could be World War I. It's possible. Uh, the second trumpet that blows is in verse 8. Verse 8, the second angel sounded, there was a great mountain burning with fire, was cast into the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures were, were in the sea, had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. Now, let's take a look here at, again, a little bit more detail, and I'll, and I'll hurry to close off with this trumpet. I don't think I'm going to go into trumpet five tonight. But if you want to turn back to my, my thing, remember, first century descriptive words, okay? What does he say? A mountain burning with fire thrown into the sea. This is a picture of a nuclear bomb going off, and it's the mushroom cloud. The icon, ooh, that's a little too dark. There we go. The mushroom cloud. That's good, Grace, thanks. She's so good. She thinks about it before I can say it. This is a mushroom cloud. Now, this is not, uh, actually, this is uh, a picture of Hiroshima. From the, from the ground. This is the World War II mushroom cloud that ended, really, the war. Now, here's an aerial view. Uh, if you want to go to the first picture there, I have my... This is an aerial view of that. Now, you're looking at this from the first century, and you don't know what just happened, but this thing... And by the way, if you ever got to watch a video of it, I didn't have time to prepare one for you, but go on YouTube and watch a video of... Uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, or just say, a, a, you know, a nuclear bomb explosion. This does not happen slowly. This is rapid. And the shockwave that goes out from that is, is massive. Now, if you're looking at this from the sky, from John's perspective, Japan is not a very big country. So when you see this thing blow up from the sky, you're seeing this mountain burning with fire that's literally cast into the sea. And this is what ended, or what helped to end, World War II. So, possibly, the second trumpet was World War II. So, first trumpet, World War I. Second trumpet, World War II. Third trumpet, Chernobyl. The fourth trumpet is one of, it's one of those ones that, not sure exactly how it fits. This is one of those the trees that's off in the distance. It's there, uh, so I'm going to read it for you, and I don't have a great explanation for it. I, I just don't, but here it is. And the fourth angel sounded, and a third part of the sun was smitten, 
and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. What I'm understanding from this, and what I've tried to study it out, is that the days are getting shorter. So whether this is literal or figurative, it leans more towards literal, um, because he's talking about the sun and the moon, and he's talking about the days actually getting shorter. Is that happening? Feels like it. Feels, it, it feels like it, but that, those feelings are subjective, right? They're subjective to who you're talking to. Someone might say, no, I don't feel like the days are getting shorter at all. Uh, have we measured it? Has it been recorded? That I don't know. That's the part that's kind of a mystery as to exactly how is this one playing out in our world today. Now, uh, like I said, I believe that Trumpet 5 has already sounded, and, and just to give you a quick sneak peek of that, uh, this is referring to the Gulf War that happened with Saddam Hussein uh, in Kuwait, when he fled Kuwait and he set the oil fields on fire. Um, so we'll talk about that next time we come together. I don't want to spend any more time on this tonight, but perhaps Trumpet number 5 was that, 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 that whole event that happened there. Uh, with Saddam Hussein. Now, that puts us at trumpet number six, where we're at. So we'll talk about that in more detail next week. Um, but this should not make you fearful or afraid. Again, these trumpets are not the judgment of God falling on the earth. These are just things that are happening. These are world events that God foretold in his word to give his church a, 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 an open eye into his timeline of things. The Lord is coming soon, is what it always comes down to. And, and you say, yes, but they said that in the 80s. They said that in the 70s. They preached, they preached that in 1901. I mean, the, the hallmark message of the early apostolic church in the 1900s was Jesus is coming back. Um, so, this is where we trust in the Lord, and, and soon to him right. is not soon to us. And so we need to be ready. But we also need to realize that God has it under control. And if he could foresee these things centuries before and tell us about them in his word, then he's got you, he's got you right where he needs you. And you're not here by accident. You're not listening to this message by accident. God has you in his crosshairs. He's got you on his sights. He's looking out for you. He wants a closer walk and relationship with you. And why don't we stand and just acknowledge him. I feel his presence as we close out this lesson tonight. Jesus, we love you, God, and we thank you. You are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You are wonderful, Jesus. You are wonderful, Jesus. Oh, wonderful. And marvelous, Jesus, I worship you. I praise you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for helping us to understand your word. And give us further insight into what you're doing, Lord. In Jesus' name, we praise and magnify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you tonight. If I could get the man here to give me a hand, we've got a lot of... We want to set up some of the heavy lifting things for Sunday. So.